Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we are going to discuss the personal bragging of wealth in China's history. A group of young women in Shanghai stirred things up on Chinese social media after it was revealed they had been grouped buying luxury bags and booking rooms at five-star hotels just to take photos and pass them off as their own purchases on their WeChat feeds. Netizens mocked them as fake socialites. I don't think we are doing anything wrong. I spend my own money. I don't rob or steal. I just do what I want to do. Isn't it true that every Cinderella wants a pair of glass slippers? One of the women said in an interview with Xinyin Weekly in October. Young men are doing something similar. Their WeChat moments are filled with selfies in luxury hotels or posing in front of million-dollar sports cars. The men mostly elicit the help of specialized online services that, for a small fee, can doctor photos and geotag posts to make them more convincing. Unlike the average wealth flouting and flexing on Chinese social media, the trend includes an edited patina of humble bragging. Along with the photos, wannabe elites post about the burdens and annoyances of having a lavish lifestyle or storybook no romance. The woman who started this, who goes by the name of Little Milk Ball on Sina Weibo, gave an example. If your husband gives you a Lamborghini, what would you write when you show it off on WeChat? Should you say it costs over three million yuan or about four hundred fifty-three thousand U.S. dollars, or it looks so beautiful at our luxury home? The right answer, she said, is neither. You should say, the color is so ugly. Street Jews really have the taste of a country bumpkin. According to reports, she traces its origins to the Japanese manga *The Rose of Versailles*, a story based on the flashy Bourbon dynasty right before the French Revolution. These young women and men do so not only to feed their vanity and narcissism. But also with the expectations that projecting wealth attracts wealth, they hope that by showing off an upper-class lifestyle and visiting luxurious places will provide them opportunities to meet and attract real wealthy people. There is a long history of flaunting wealth and taste in China. Xiang Yu, the famed military leader of the Qing Dynasty in the third century BCE. One said that if you rise from rags to riches and don't return to your hometown to show off your wealth, it's like sneaking back home in rich dresses at midnight, as no one would see your rich dresses. He later committed suicide after he lost the war to Liu Bang, founder of the Western Han Dynasty. A thousand years later, Zhu Yuanzhang, the son of a poor family. Would return to his hometown Fengyang, Anhui Province, 
as the first emperor of the Ming Dynasty. He planned to make his hometown the new capital of his empire. Some of the senior officials from the same place, who helped him overthrow the preceding Yuan Dynasty and outmaneuver competing factions, went with him and also showed off their success. This made Zhu Yuanzhang unhappy. He abandoned the new palace under construction in Fengyang. A few years later, he would have those same officials who helped him rise to power executed. Like the young women in Shanghai and the men who faked photos, there were people who showed off wealth they didn't have. In the waning years of the Qing dynasty, many of the ancestors of the Manchu generals and soldiers who established the dynasty centuries earlier were reduced to poverty as they did not want to work for a living. But after having dinner at home, many would smear their mouth with a piece of greasy pig skin before they went out for a walk, hinting to anyone who they ran into on the way that they just had an extravagant meal, as meat was a symbol of wealth and hard to come by. The most well-known stories of flooding wealth in Chinese history dates back to the Western Jin Dynasty in the 3rd century. It involves a competition of one upmanship between Wang Kai, an uncle of the dynasty's first emperor, and a senior official, Shi Chong. Shi Chong's father left his entire estate to Shi Chong's five brothers, but nothing to Shi Chong. He believed that Shi Chong would be very rich on his own. It seems his father was right, but as to exactly how Shi Chong got so rich still remains a mystery. In the first round, Wang Kai washed wax with sugar water. Sugar was a luxury at the time. In retaliation, Shi Chong cooked his dinner with candles. One could imagine how many candles that took. Shi won the round. In the second round, Wang Kai hung 20 kilometers of purple silk curtains along the road where he and his family would walk. When rich people would go out, they normally put up bamboo curtains to prevent people on the road from seeing their female family members. Wang Kai's silk curtains were certainly much more expensive than bamboo, and purple was the most expensive dye. But not only did Shi Chong make a curtain 25 kilometers long, it was also made of even more expensive satin. Shi won again. To save face of the royal family, the emperor himself stepped in to help his uncle. He gave Wang Kai a very large, rare coral specimen. Wang Kai immediately showed it to Shi Chong, but Shi broke it into pieces and offered many even larger coral for Wang to choose as a replacement. Wang was finally convinced that Shi was a wealthier man. These stories come from a dynasty's official historical records. During the Western and Eastern Jin dynasties between the 3rd and 5th centuries, the wealthy aristocracy was primarily made up of families with long histories of strong political power and scholarly achievements. They were not only proud of their money, but also their cultured talents and intellectual tastes. Shi Chong was a known literate 
who would hold court in his luxurious golden green garden. His exclusive circle of twenty-four were all talented and handsome young men, but Pan An stood out among them. Even today, it's a compliment to praise a young man to be as handsome as Pan An. But he and Shi Chong were often caught out in the dust raised by the passing carriages of the Western Jing Dynasty Empress' mother, even if they were already way in the distance. They did this to flatter the Empress to get higher positions. The Empress Jia Nanfeng was known for abuses of power that would lead to civil war and ultimately the fall of the Western Jing in the fifth century. Her nephew was a leading figure in Shi Chong's circle of elites. Many scholars indulged in abstruse debate and sophomoric competition, like a naked drinking contest. They did not care about protocol, politics, or the real world. Their compositions would often devolve into abstract and esoteric subjects, as a way to prove their intellects. Politicians with no interest in doing their duties would also join in. Well, this disconnect with reality eventually led to social stagnation and unrest. It also helped diversify thought, culture, and religion of the time. Why were the elites during the Western and Eastern Jing dynasties so vain? Because political appointments were often not decided on competence and merit. But rather based on the political status of the families, there was no need for ambition or struggle for power. For example, Wang Xizhi, the greatest Chinese calligrapher, inherited his family's position as a general, despite never fighting a single battle and spending a lifetime on mastering calligraphy. In a book about the history of the two Jin dynasties, Liang Manchang, a researcher with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, wrote. That the elites sought haven in the non-political worlds of metaphysics and indulged in strange and restrained behavior to escape the cruel realities of the ongoing power struggles that ultimately left thousands of people dead. Two of Wang Xizhi's uncles played a crucial role in founding the Eastern Jing Dynasty after the fall of the Western Jing. They were also the true puppet masters of the Eastern Jing. They were also involved in Shi Chong's wealth flouting competitions. The two uncles Wang Zhao and Wang Dun were once invited to Shi Chong's home for dinner. When their host proposed a toast, the Wangs refused. Then Shi Chong asked his concubines to propose a toast to his two guests. He had many concubines. If they refused a concubine's toast, Shi Chong said, he would have her killed. Not wanting to see anyone die, Wang Dao accepted three toasts, but Wang Dun kept refusing, even after the three concubines were killed. Wang Dao tried to persuade him to accept the toast to save innocent lives, but Wang Dun said it was none of his business, as it was Shi Chong who was killing members of his own family. Shi Chong's favorite concubine, Lü Zhu. Is revered as one of the most beautiful women from Chinese antiquity. She was a talented singer and dancer. He even gifted her an entire mansion. One day, a powerful official asked Shi Chong for her band. Shi Chong immediately refused. 
but he had already been removed from office at that time after the empress and her nephew were killed in the civil war. Shi Chong told his concubine that he had offended a powerful official to keep her. In gratitude for Shi Chong's loyalty, Lü Zhu committed suicide by jumping from her mansion. Still offended over being turned down, the official had Shi Chong arrested. Shi Chong thought, at the very worst, he would be exiled, but he and her whole family were killed. As the soldiers escorted him to his death, Shi Chong accused the officials of killing him because they coveted his wealth. The soldiers asked him why he had not spent it to do good instead of squandering it. Wang Dao, who accepted the concubine's toast, became prime minister in the Eastern Jin. His emperor even asked him to share the throne on his coronation day. Just like he knew it was not right to refuse toast from Shi Chong's concubines, he knew it was inappropriate to share the throne with the emperor. Thus, he won the emperor's trust. After Wang Dao died, his was given an imperial-like funeral. Wang Dun, who controlled the military of the Eastern Jin, died of illness in his failed coup. His body was beheaded later. He did not respect life and ended up as a victim of his own ambitions. The power of the Wang family and others gradually declined in the following years. By the Tang Dynasty in the early 7th century, their influence completely vanished. There was social mobility, and regular people had the chance to better their lives based on the merits and competence. Displaying talent instead of wealth became the key to climbing the social ladder. That is end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Song Yimin, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor JT. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.